0: We're turning in our Bibles this evening, please, to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, please. And we're turning to the chapter 5, the Gospel of John, chapter 5, and we're going to read from the verse 19. The Gospel of John, and the chapter 5, and we're going to read from the verse 19. I would like to speak to you this evening under the title, The Claims of Christ. The Claims of Christ. The Gospel of John, please. And the chapter 5, and the verse 19. And this is the word of the Lord, and it reads, Then answered Jesus, and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, But what he seeth the Father do, For what things soever he doeth, These also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto unto the Son. That all men should honour the Son, even as they honour the Father. He that honoureth not the Son, honoureth not the Father which hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The hour is coming, and now is, When the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, And they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, So hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, And have given him authority to execute judgment also, Because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this. For the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. I can of my own self do nothing, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. We trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts this evening. In the Old Testament, in the book of Ezekiel, uh, we read of Ezekiel's vision of God. I want you in your imagination to try to follow what Ezekiel sees, uh, to try and see this image this evening. There's a description of an approaching cloud uh, and fire flashes in it and it's surrounded by bright light. And in the center of the cloud there appears to be gleaming metal and as the cloud moves towards Ezekiel he sees that gleaming metal is really four human images and each having four faces and four wings and they never need to turn because they're already facing in all directions and next to these fantastic Images. Ezekiel sees great wheels of gleaming metal rising into the heavens and these wheels have wheels within them. And even stranger than this, uh, the rims of the wheels have eyes. And because of these eyes, nothing is out of God's sight. And above this incredible sight, Ezekiel sees a crystal expanse. And above that is a sapphire throne. And on that throne sits a figure in human form surrounded by a glowing rainbow. That's Ezekiel's vision of God. In Isaiah 6, we read of of Isaiah's vision of God. And he cries out when he sees the Lord. He stands before God and he cries, Woe is me! For I am undone, and I am a man of unclean lips. These descriptions that we find in Ezekiel chapter 1 and Isaiah 6 give us a blazing vision of God expressed in symbolic form. There there are two men who saw God, but when they try and put it into words, they they struggle. They, They can't quite put into words how glorious God is. In Ezekiel's vision, the, the the living beings who move wherever they want are a picture of God accomplishing His will. And the eyes and the wheels and the rotating of those wheels represent that God is omniscient God's omni- omniscience, in other words, He is complete knowledge of all things. He knows all about you this evening. He He knows the darkest darkest secrets that you hold that you think nobody else knows. He knows every detail of your life. And the bright light and the luminous expanse in Ezekiel represent the Lord in all his glory and in all his splendor. The bright light, it speaks of his holiness. But why would I tell you about these passages found in Ezekiel and Isaiah 6? Well, the Lord Jesus in our passage this evening, he's speaking to the Jew. Uh, And the Israelites, the Jewish people, In the Old Testament, these are passages in Ezekiel and Isaiah that would have been great foundational passages that taught them about who God is and about God's character. There was no one equal with God. And no one could ever be able to claim to be equal with God. Such was their respect and sense of awe when it came to God that when they came to the name of God in Scripture, they did not read it but instead they used a name that combined all of God's names together and they called him Jehovah. Reverence to the divine name was so great among the Israelites that when the scribes came to write it, they would go and they would wash their hands before writing it. And nothing was allowed to interrupt the writing of God's name. Even if a king addressed them when writing the sacred name, they would not respond. Dear friends in the meeting tonight, if you're saved, that should profoundly deepen our love and appreciation for the Lord, and it should remind us how precious our salvation is. But dear unsaved friend, if you're here tonight, or you're listening online. These descriptions should terrify you, because the Bible tells us that we are that God is a holy God. Who cannot abide sin. And in our passage we see that the Lord Jesus is holy. He speaks with the Jews and he he tells them that he too is holy. And he and the Father are one. What I would like to speak to you on this evening. This title, The Claims of Christ. We're going to see three claims that the Lord Jesus Christ makes in this passage. And the first claim that he makes is that he's equal with the Father. One with the Father In his actions. Read with me verse 19 again. Here's the Lord Jesus. And he declares his deity. He's confirming himself. That indeed he is God. He says verily verily. I say unto you. The son can do nothing of himself. But what he seeth the father do. For what things soever he doeth. These also doeth the son likewise. He says verily verily. For truly, truly, I say unto you, and dear friends, this evening when the Lord Jesus Christ uses the words verily, verily, they are solemn words used by our divine Lord to indicate an utterance of special importance. He wants you to sit up and listen to what he's going to say. If he says verily, verily, there's something coming that we should attend to closely, that we should listen to very carefully. By telling us, he goes on and he tells us that he is one with the Father. He is telling us that he is one with the Father in his actions. And he does not act independently of God the Father. Whatever the Father does, God the Son does in like manner. This extends to giving life to the dead. You know, a few weeks ago in our gospel meeting, we heard that he healed a man by the pool of Bethesda. Not only physically, but spiritually. And the question that we need to ask tonight is what about you? Are you in need of healing? Have you experienced the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ? He's one with the Father and he did the Father's will. Verse 20 says, the Father loveth the Son. God the Father and God the Son they love. And let me tell you they love you. You know the Jews that were present rejected Christ being God. That they refused God's word, uh, they wouldn't come to Him. They had no love for God. They wouldn't receive the Lord Jesus. They sought the honor man rather than God. They wouldn't listen to the word of God, and they rejected this love that Christ offered. No wonder is that you tonight? I wonder is that a description of where you find? You won't come to the Lord. You've no love for God. You've no time. You, you don't want to receive Him you just would rather please me and you won't listen to God's word although you hear it often and you simply reject the love that the Lord Jesus offers you. I wonder are you refusing to receive Christ. I wonder are you rejecting his love this evening. You see those who spent time with the Lord Jesus during his time on earth, they saw the Father. They saw God himself. When they saw the Lord Jesus smile, they saw God the Father smile. When they heard the Lord Jesus Christ teach, they heard the teaching of God the Father. When they encountered the Savior, they observed the Father's tender touch and they trembled at his wrath. The Lord Jesus called God's angels his angels. He called God's saints his saints and God's kingdom his kingdom. The Lord Jesus, he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he is fully God and he is fully man. Jesus, the name high over all. In hell, in earth and sky. Angels and men before it fall. And devils fear and fly. Jesus, the name to sinners dear. The name to sinners given. It scatters all their guilty fear. It brings them peace of heaven. To the unbeliever he declares to you this evening that he is the name high over all. And he forever will be for time and for eternity. And this colossal claim that confronts all mankind demands a response from you this evening. Will you bow the knee this very night. Repenting of sin and make the Lord Jesus Lord of your life. You know there is a day coming and we spoke about this earlier that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that the Lord Jesus, that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now I wonder, can you picture the scene here? We thought about those passages that the Jewish people would have listened to and they, where they got their teaching about the holiness of God. No one was equal with God. And the Lord Jesus, he's standing teaching these Jewish people who are rejecting him. And he's standing in front of these unbelieving men who are confronting. And he tells them that he's God, that he's equal with the Father. Can you imagine their faces disgruntled, filled with anger? And no sooner has the Lord Jesus finished telling them that indeed he is God when he goes on and he makes a second claim. Not only is he equal with the Father, but he has the power to give life. He's the power to give life. Look at verse 25. Here's another one of the Lord Jesus' statements. He says, verily, verily, again, we ought to pay attention. And this time he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. You see, the Lord Jesus is speaking of eternal life. I heard recently a man Uh, who asked his pastor to explain what eternal life or uh, eternity actually meant. And the pastor replied that it would take forever for him to explain it. And dear unsaved friend tonight, eternity is forever. It's forever. And you have a choice to make this evening, whether you will spend eternity with Christ or a lost eternity without him. I wonder if you ever considered what the Lord Jesus Christ was willing to do in order for you to spend eternity with him. Earlier we considered the holiness of God. And we discussed and thought about how God cannot abide sin. And so to satisfy God, the Lord Jesus Christ had to go to the cross of Calvary. You see, we must think of the cross because it was on the hill outside jerusalem that place called calvary that the lord jesus suffered for your sin so that you could enjoy this eternal life that he offers you this evening he died so that you might live. the son of man the lord jesus was nailed to the cross of calvary how cruel man can be one man to another how shameful the act of crucifixion that was imposed on the Son of God. The power of love and the devotion of Christ to his Father are clearly heard in his cries in the Garden of Gethsemane and upon the cross. But we must consider the time before the Lord Jesus came to the earth. You see, in the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God and the word was God and the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. And the word, the Lord Jesus, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Lord Jesus, he was with God and was God and through him this world was made. He was there before time ever began. He dwelt with God before time and as creation unfolded, he was there. He watched his man rebelled against God and the Garden of Eden was no longer a safe haven for man. And from his presence as, as God, he beheld the terrible flood that would consume the whole earth and destroy all that had the breath of life in Noah's day. And he would see eight souls and an ark full of animals. And he would witness the unfolding of the history of men as they would fight and kill one another. And the chosen people of God, the Israelites, would rise in victory in their faith and fall in defeat in their unbelief. And the Lord Jesus, he watched as all that happened. And the time came that he knew he was to come to this earth and he would die for the sin of man because man needed a savior. And he willingly left the azure halls of heaven, the place where he was perfectly adored and worshipped, The place where eternal praises sang to his name. And he came to this world. Where men spat on him. And cursed him. And denied him. And hated him. And Paul tells us he made himself of no reputation. Paul also tells us that Christ emptied himself from his place with God. And in a great mystery he took on flesh. He never lost his deity. He was always good, but now fully God and fully man. And the greatest of and the greatest of the sacrifice and the greatness of the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus made is seen when you consider where he left, the place where he was adored to come and die for sinners like you and me. He was tempted as, as all of us are, but without sin. And he left a realm of all power and all knowledge for a world where he had to learn to walk as a little child and learn to talk. And he increased in wisdom as other children and yet he was beyond them in all his understanding and he was hungry and he became tired. This is God we're speaking about. And he needed sleep and he wept and he felt anguish of heart and he felt deep the deep emotions of the human spirit. And he felt the pain of whips upon his back as they beat him unmercifully before they drove iron spikes through his flesh and nailed him to the cross. All this to give life to the sinner. And how shrill the cry must have been in those final gasping moments when Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? How deep the pain How deep the sorrow must have been when he came to die for your sin. When he came to take the punishment for you. Paul tells us he was obedient unto death. The Son of Man, Christ, God, experienced death. That's what my sin led to. That's what your sin led to. God had to die. The person who went to the cross for you was the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul goes on when he speaks of the Saviour and he says he was even, he was obedient unto death. even the death of a cross. The Bible tells us, cursed is any man who hangs on a tree. He didn't just hang on a cross. He experienced the curse of God. As my sin was poured upon him and as the sin of the world was poured upon him he took the curse and he took the punishment of God for me and for you. Yet as he took that curse and died on the cross do you know what he cried? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He who knew no sin was made sin. What Jesus left to empty himself will never be able to be measured in human terms. But what he gave is measured in blood. And what he offers is salvation through that blood. And what he gained is found in Paul's writing. Paul writes in Philippians 2 verse 9-11, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and of those in heaven, of those on earth, and those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And tonight we hear him say that he can give you life. He rose again. Defeating death. And tonight he offers you eternal life. Tonight he offers you forgiveness of sin. And a home in heaven. But you must come to him. And accept him as your savior. Believe that what he did in the cross is sufficient for you. And confess that you're a sinner. For he offers you life. This is what the Bible says. He that hath the son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. The Bible couldn't make it any clearer. Are you trusting in Christ as your saviour? Do you know this eternal life? He that has the Son has life. Are you trusting Christ as your saviour? Because if you're not the second half of that statement applies to you. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You know, but as we draw to the conclusion of our meeting this evening, there's One final claim that the Lord Jesus puts forward. Not just that he is equal with the Father. Not just that he has the power to give life, but also that he has the authority to judge. Look at verse 22, please. It says there, for the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Verse 26, for as the father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the son to have life in himself and given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. The Lord Jesus Christ one day will judge every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, The scriptures are clear that an interview with God is inevitable. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he have done. Whether it be good or bad. God does not want you to come ignorant or unprepared to this judgment day. He has sent his prophets. And later on he has sent his son and then the apostles. And now this book, the Bible before us, it tells us that people need to prepare for this judgment day that will come. Are you prepared to stand before God? Judgment will come. And here in the word of God tonight, the Lord Jesus tells us that he will judge all people. He died for you and today he wants to be your saviour. Think of all that he has done for you. Imagine standing before the Lord Jesus one day and saying, I never accepted you as saviour. I heard the gospel time and time again. I knew what I needed to do, but I wouldn't. I would just ignored it. Ignorance. In the book of Acts, in chapter 17, in verse 30, you read these words. and the times of this ignorance... God winked or God is ignored. But now he commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, the Lord Jesus. Whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead, just as sure as the Lord Jesus Christ is alive this evening, one day we will stand before him, as our judge. These are not my words, dear friends, these are the word this is from the Word of God. The time of ignoring him is almost over. This rejection of God in our land and across of our world will come to an end and every individual will answer before God. And he calls all people now to turn and repent because there is a day coming when God's patience will run out. God has given us warnings here in his word this evening. He has told us that if we ignore the Bible message, that the wages, what we deserve for our sin, is death, eternal separation from God. But if you prepare the gift of God as eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, you have this moment. You have this opportunity, this life to prepare yourself for judgment. So what will you do with the Lord Jesus? My friend, you must realize the riches that you're missing out if you ignore the claims of Christ. He's equal with the Father. He's the power to give you eternal life this night. And one one day he will judge you. And you've heard his claims. How imperative it is that you give deep consideration to the claims of Christ because one day you will stand before him and he will be your judge. So I conclude with the words of the hymn writer who penned these words, what will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be, because someday your heart will be asking what will he do with me? Let's pray. Our Father, we bow at the end of another meeting on a Sunday evening. We have sat and listened this evening and read the words of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Father, for many of us this evening. We know these aren't just claims. But this is absolute truth. That we have a saviour who is co-equal with the Father and the Spirit. A saviour who is here willing and able to save. Willing and able to give life to the sinner who will repent and place their trust in the finished work at Calvary. We thank you Father that the Lord Jesus went to that cross. And there he paid for sin once and for all. And today we can look back to that finished work. And placing our trust in it know that our sins have been paid for. In full at the cross, Father, we thank you that the Lord Jesus tonight stands as our Savior. We thank you that we live in this day of grace, and Father, we pray and we ask, O oh God, that if there's any under the sound of my voice just now who don't know Christ as their Savior, that by your Spirit you'd move, come back and see. For one day, Father. Indeed, if a soul enters eternity unprepared, their heart will be asking, what will the Lord Jesus do with me? Father, I pray that someone would take that step of faith tonight. Place their trust in Christ as Savior. Your word is so clear. And so, Father, in simplicity of faith, I pray that someone would take that step. Hear our prayer, O God. Amen.